Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Manchester Football Social. Forever Blue with Ian Cheeseman. Indeed, an hour of Manchester City chat coming up with myself, Ian Cheeseman, on XS Manchester 106.1 FM. Not only the best station for rock music and Manchester music, but the best station for sport. Every weekday night, 6 till 7, the football social, but concentrating tonight with Forever Blue on City. I have the City legend with me, and I've in no doubt as to what he's called, because he's got a tracksuit on which has his name on. <laughs> it is Sean Golter. What's the GFC? Golter FC. Uh, go to football coaching. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, well, you're looking very stylish, I have to say. So. Oh, well, thank you. I try, I try. And you've turned up this week, which is a bonus as well. <laughs> I apologise again. <laughs> Don't worry about <laughs> it. Right, OK, we've got loads to talk about tonight. And we're going to be in esteemed company a little bit later on because we've got Dennis Stewart coming on, former director and player. Peter Barnes, former City player, of course, a little small spell at United, though he doesn't like talking about that. And very soon now, we're going to talk to Martin Samuel, who is the Daily Mail football writer who wrote a brilliant piece today which is all about the the, the news that is in the news as if that's not a contradiction in terms <laughs> today which is that city are being accused by uh, spiegel in germany which is a magazine and their writer and now it's sort of snowballing now and the criticism is getting bigger and bigger of city having effectively this is what they're accusing them of doping in terms of the the way that they've circumnavigated ffp so the suggestion is that some of the companies that have sponsored City, and I won't name specific ones because I don't know which ones they're allocated to really, uh, but have been uh, financed partly the sponsorship deals by the owner or the owner's family as a way of circumnavigating FFP. Now, personally, um, I, I believe that all of this stuff which has happened in the last four or five years, the introduction of FFP, has been levelled at City to... to 
basically stop the new boys who've come to the tea uh, come to the table yeah. uh, being as big as the Real Madrids, the Barcelonas, the Bayern Munichs, and all the rest of it. So this little cartel have gone to UEFA and said, "You need to stop this." You know, the, these are the millionaire. You know that millionaire who walks in the club and goes, "Hey, suddenly I've got a lot of money. Have a bit of that, Sean." You know, and and, and throws it about a little bit. They don't like that. Didn't seem to bother them when Chelsea suddenly came to table through Abramovich, but it seems to have bothered them now that City and PSG have. City have tried, it seems, to have done everything correctly. They've kept the dignity, kept quiet, not gone to court to to fight these things. But now suddenly, from nowhere, because this all started four or five years ago, another new wave in Derby Week, what a coincidence, of criticism of City. Um, What do you think, Sean? Well, I'll say, first off, I think Pep Guardiola would not be distracted by this and the players won't. This will be all off the field stuff and they'll just totally focus on themselves in the game. Uh, but in time, this this is normal. You know, when you're when you're the, the leader of the pack, or you're, and, and, and when I say leader of the pack, people say, well, City hasn't won Champions League, etc. City are the big boys. We have the deepest pockets. We can't, you know, we have great players. Uh, and as time goes on, we'll be saying, well, we have the greatest players because that's just how we are and how we operate. And I think this is, is labelled at us as common because it's the territory that that we're in, as in we've got the deepest pockets, we've got the best manager, we're playing the best football, we're, we're, we're just playing unbelievable. So it's how can you stop this juggernaut? And, you know, they, they're looking for ways to try to, you know, unsettle City, um, and and so you've got the, the, the other top clubs that'll, that'll be looking and thinking, you know, we've been in charge of this for some time. The Real Madrid, the Barcelonas and having the TV rights and, own, you know, them making all these millions in, in, in these deals. And, and City now, have, you know, we're causing a, a serious tsunami that they know across the waters. And they're saying, well, hold on here. We... If there's anything that we can make some sort of noise about that can create some negativity, well, let's do it. And I feel that this this is what this is. Are you worried because a so-called whistleblower has leaked documents that might have been in the hands of UEFA or might have been from the City Group, whether they're true or not, we don't know. But somebody has gone in there and, and, and sort of almost, you know, sort of Russian spy type way, gone in and found so-called information that can expose City. Um, do, do you worry about this? Do you, do you worry about the consequences to City if these things were true? Well, I don't because I feel that City is, we're just big players now and... I think the league will look and think, even if it, you know, an element of truth, there'll be a punishment. And I think people just get on with it. And okay, people will look back and say, well, yeah, that wasn't right, etc. Uh, but I think we'll just get on with it because City's here to stay. And so, no, it wouldn't be good. But at the same time, I think that they'll they'll figure it out. And and what I mean is. They'll, they'll get the lawyers on it to just say, okay, uh, actually there there isn't no truth to all this and, and move on. Or if there was a little bit of truth to it, they'll they'll deal with the consequences or the fines and they'll move on. But the one thing we all know is city's here to stay. And, and that's what they're threatened by. 
obviously there's there's the legalities of it. I mean, I was just told in the office a few seconds ago that the La Liga are now getting involved, going to the EU, and all sorts of things could happen, right? Yeah. Uh, we don't know where it's going to go to. One man who might know where this is going to go to, because he's right across all this, is Martin Samuel from The Mail, who joins us now, wrote a brilliant article that you, I absolutely recommend that you read. If, if you can find my Twitter from earlier on, you'll see a link to it. Martin, tell us what's going on and tell, give us your perspective on what is happening at the moment around Manchester City. In what respects, Ian? I mean... Well, I know you've been a champion of... of, uh, When I said champion, I know you've been against the principle of FFP for a long time. And when people have have been sort of having a go now at City and and, and suggesting that they're doing this the wrong way, you've you've given a different perspective on it. So can you you give us that perspective? Well, my perspective on on this has always been... I never agreed with financial fair play... Uh, in the first place, I don't see anything wrong with owner investment uh, as long as it's provided as a gift and not a loan. When people talk about uh, the protection of clubs, of clubs such as Portsmouth and Leeds and things that happen there, uh, that's to do with uh, money being invested and then that money um, being asked for. Uh, you know, the, the owner wanted it back, basically. He wanted to take the money back out of the football club and then that saddled the various football clubs uh, with debt that was impossible to handle. This is not the case in Manchester with Manchester City. These are uh, this is owner investment to build a business. I think that's a completely different thing. Um, so that has always been uh, my perspective on financial fair play. Um, it started off in a com- in, in a completely different way. It started off talking about. Uh, it started off as a means of addressing club debt, um, and it was then shifted to become owner investment as uh, as part of it as well, and that you couldn't spend any more than you could generate. So that's a protectionist plan. That's that's completely different uh, to the original vision for financial fair play, which was to do with clubs living within their means. Um, just being able to spend what you generate or or thereabouts, that's not the same as living within your means because then that precludes uh, an investment into the club to build the club. So it was a protectionist. It became a protectionist plan and I'm completely against that. All it was ever going to do was cement the elite in place, which is what has happened in Germany, which is what has happened in Italy. It's what happens, it's what's happened mainly in Spain, although uh, that was a a very strong elite of two anyway. Um, Whereas I think owner investment in this country uh, has been to the benefit of the league. We, we, uh, since Manchester United in 2009, nobody has retained the Premier League, and that's a good thing. Um, and that is why the Premier League has got such a great global audience. It's why people find it so fascinating, because it's, it's different every year. And I'm not going to say that it's possible for Bournemouth to win the league at the moment, but then Leicester did and proved everybody wrong. So it's Owner investment has created an elite in this country of six clubs, maybe more. Um, and it's and it's been a very positive thing. Financial fair play is all about cementing the elite in place. And I don't agree with that. Where would you stand if City... If, this, if there is an investigation and it's found that City 
city's owners are directly or indirectly um, supporting sponsors who haven't got the cash that they want to put in. So in other words, it's it's sort of coming from the owner, but in an indirect route. Is that immoral? Is that illegal? Do you think City would fight it? Well, yeah, I think City would fight it. Um, but look, there, there are rules, and what you, what you can, I think it's uh, look. There's a, the piece I wrote this morning uh, was about financial fair play, and was saying that the reason uh, that clubs had to be get very creative to get around financial fair play was because this unfair, arbitrary system was put in place. It was the work of a cabal of elite clubs in Europe, and it was completely unfair. So it was a personal perspective that said, I'm very, 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 very relaxed about this because I think the system is utterly unfair. Now, that is totally different to answering the question of could there be consequences, uh, were rules broken? That's a totally different uh, subject to my own personal opinion on it, if you see what I mean. Yeah, and, and, and obviously on that broader thing of FSP, one of the subjects I was talking to a friend of mine about would be, let's say Oldham Athletic, who, who are not too far about, away from our live, suddenly somebody won the Euro millions uh, this this midweek, 150 million or something, and said, right, I'm giving 100 million to Oldham Athletic, my club, go and buy some players, invest in this club, I'll make them great. They'd get stopped by FFP, wouldn't they? Yeah, well, they would. And this, this is the whole point, that the, under the rules of FFP, Blackburn Rovers and what happened at Blackburn Rovers would be frowned upon. What's happened at Blackpool wouldn't be. Now, you've got a problem there, haven't you? Because yeah. if you go to Blackpool and ask their fans, are they happy with the way that club has been run? I would say they're not. If you go to Blackburn and say, were you happy with what Jack Walker did to your club? They would say it was the most fantastic thing ever to happen to Blackburn Rovers. So you've got one situation where ambition and trying to break up the status quo would be uh, is, is frowned upon, and another situation where you can run a club as badly as you like. They're not interested in putting rules in place to, to, to govern that because that's not a threat to anybody. Blackpool, run as they are, aren't going to be a threat to anybody. What they're terrified of is investment. What they're terrified of is somebody getting hold of a club and trying to build it. And what you've got to remember is that with Manchester City, the Manchester City project would not have to have been rushed through on this incredible fast track were there not a drawbridge that was being raised by the elite clubs of Europe and you had to be on the right side of that drawbridge, otherwise it slams shut forever. Absolutely. And the reason and the reason Everton struggled to be sold for so many years was because you look at Everton and you think, right, well it's going to take X amount to make this work. It's going to take X amount to build this club up. And you weren't going to be allowed to spend it. Absolutely. Martin, thanks and very they much. Couldn't, they couldn't sell the club. Well, you, you, you've, you've put that very well. Thank you very much for joining us and explaining. I urge anybody to read that article. Thank you. OK, thanks very much, Ian. That's Martin Samuel joining us from the Mail. And uh, as I say, it's a very good article. Obviously, Chelsea got in before that drawbridge was uh, was raised. So they, they, they beat the system. I know Leicester didn't, didn't invest exactly the same sort of money, but it's ironic. We're all mourning the, the loss, quite understandably, of the owner of Leicester. But one of the things he did was bring in investment that 
Not entirely due to that, but certainly gave Leicester a big help to win the league that year. And yet he's been applauded for everything that he did. Well, yes. I mean, this is uh, which is strange, but I, I think because cities cities are targeted. Quite frankly, cities are targeted. Has this money? Has this um, you know depth of best manager players and all this? And, and as you're saying about uh, Leicester, um, he's invested in the club, in the community, and um, again, he's you know he's been looked upon, and I, and I feel in the right way, and that is. Appreciate it for what he's done because he's he's brought a lot of joy, a lot of jobs, uh, loads of things he's brought to the community of Leicester. Um, so this is this is one to to keep an eye on because uh, my thought was, well, has you know I I don't know enough about it, but my thought was, well, has City broken any rules? Because I, I just feel that you know um, as we just heard, City will deal with it. And you know, if there's a fine to be to be paid, they'll they'll pay that fine. And yes, it'll be you know, um, it'll be a blemish on City's rackets because City wouldn't want to have these sort of things on the racket. But it's you know what City's developing and, and building is is a global brand, and you know it we used to be the the family club, but it's it's now. The global club and the global. At, look at what they've done at that CFA area. That was a poisoned former dye works and it's all been built up. Lots of local employment. Talking now of the rumours of building a new mini uh, music venue nearby. There'll, there'll probably be a, a big, as, as, as I'm hearing, a big hotel. Um, you know, there's lots of development going to go on in the infrastructure. Now, I think. UEFA don't have a problem with that. It's the investment in players and salaries and that sort of thing where FFP is supposed to draw the line. And the suggestion, as I understand it, is that, for example, let's say Company X, right, we're going to sponsor City by five million quid Mm. and uh, said, we can't afford that, we can only give you two. And the suggestion, if there's any truth in this, is that um, the Sheikh or part of his family, his extended family, have gone. Well, we'll we'll put you put two in, and we'll put the other three in, uh, but we'll funnel it through your. That that is what they're saying has happened. But at the end of the day, it's still a gift. It's still sponsorship. Wherever it comes from, it, it might. Some people might argue that's immoral. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly not illegal, surely, to invest in your own company. Well, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, if I if I own a company and. I have the resources to to invest and improve it, direct, do it directly you? or indirectly. I, I want to be able to do it, and and so it seems just bizarre and odd that this is really a a, a, a big issue. There, there's a lot of small companies that just can't compete with the big boys that are out there, the Amazons, the Netflix, and exactly. all the rest yeah. of them. But there's enough on the table for them to t- still exist. Uh, and and if they have the, the 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 funds to improve their their operation as a small company, people do it. Um, so maybe maybe I don't. I'm missing it because maybe I don't know enough about it. But I'm thinking most people, if they have the the, the resources to invest in their own company to improve it, um, would would do so, knowing that they feel they'll they'll get a. a, a, a not a return, but they can they can improve it because I I know this is actually being given as a gift. Um, so I I I don't really see too, too nothing too wrong with it. 
And the Premier League at the moment, City won 6-1 at the weekend, but Chelsea and Liverpool, two points behind, and we're in November now. I would argue that the top clubs in the Premier League at the moment, Arsenal, um, obviously Chelsea, Mm -hmm. uh, Liverpool, Spurs, and City are playing some of the best football uh, that that the Premier League's ever seen. And that's been driven, hasn't it, by by this investment into City and everybody wanting to to compete and stay with them. Well, listen, we always hear Pep Guardiola say he can't do it without the players. And what he's basically saying, without this quality of player, in, you know, individual players and then playing collectively as a team, he cannot, you know, produce the, the performances that, that we do. Uh, and that comes through the investment. That comes through spending 50 million for a player, 60 million for a player. That's where it comes from. So, you know, I, I always sit at home and think Pep is the most awesome manager. Just in my mind, I sometimes think it would be really good to see Pat manage a champion, a mid-table championship team, just to see well how he get on. He'd I get still, on right. I still think he'll do absolutely brilliant because he, I think he's just just beyond uh, many others. So, yeah, it needs the investment, and and those are the rewards that you get from making it, that investment. Well, we're going to bring a former City director, player, um, pretty much fulfilled every single role at Manchester City into this conversation right next. And that person is Mr. Dennis Stewart. Excess Manchester. This is the Manchester Football Social, Forever Blue, with Ian Cheeseman. This is Forever Blue. It's your weekly dose of all things Manchester City and it's on Excess Manchester 106.1 FM. It will be downloadable as a podcast. I will put out the tweet and Excess Manchester, no doubt, will do a tweet later on as well. And I'll put it on my Facebook. I'll put it on the Forever Blue Facebook and you'll be able to follow the links to listen to the whole podcast. And if you've just joined us now, just got in the car, for example, just got home, you missed Martin Samuel, Dennis Stewart and Peter Barnes are on the way. I've got Sean Golter with me wearing his new tracksuit top Golter Football Coaching. I thought FC might have been Football Club, what do I know? (laughs) Uh, And he's with me, the city legend that is Sean Golter. Um, Talking of city legends, the king of all Geordies, Dennis Stewart, is going to join us now. And as much as I'd like to spend the whole hour waxing lyrical about how great City were, and boy, were they good at the weekend, because of the the story that's knocking around today and suddenly becoming a bigger and bigger story, it's like a snowball effect, Um, I've got to ask you about that first of all, Dennis, which is this suggestion that City um, are going to be investigated by every Tom, Dick and Harry, basically, uh, into whether or not they've been um, circumnavigating FFP. I'm sure you've read what's been going on, Dennis. What, what do you make of it all? Well, it's like, you know, jealousy is a horrible disease. Uh, you know, people see what we're doing and they see the structure. It's a, it's a unique, unique structure that the LBW Corporation put together with uh, uh, three main main clubs in the, in the CFT, the City Football Group, which is Man City, New York City, Melbourne City, and then obviously subsidiary um, clubs in those CONCACAF federations, Girona, Torquay, uh, and um, the Yokohama Marinas. So it's a unique um, structure that probably FIFA or anywhere else ha- hasn't been, um, hasn't, ex- hasn't had experience in the, in, the, in the past. So it's completely new, and I guess there'll be different analysis of it, and then uh, I'm sure it'll be sorted out eventually. When you were a director, this, this wasn't a problem, was it? Because FFP didn't exist, did it? <laughs> uh, FFP, we didn't have pound shillings and pence in them and FFP. Ask, ask Sean about your salary. <laughs> I'm still laughing. <laughs> hey, what we had to do, we, every pound had to, had, had to be worth one pound fifty. 
when, when I was a director, but it's, it, it's called evolution. You know, we did the hard yard. We got the, uh, with the, you know, thanks to people like Sean on the pitch. You know, we got the, the team out of the third level into the, the new stadium, into the Premier League. You know, and if we hadn't done the hard yards again with uh, people like Sean's and Dickie's contribution, you know, we wouldn't have been able to, to uh, even talk about where we are now. Strictly speaking, at the time when City were really struggling, and you were there at that time, Dennis, and John Wardle was was paying wages out of his, his own pocket, basically, for a little while to keep the club afloat, that would have been seen as financial doping, wouldn't it, under FFP, <laughs> if, if an owner was actually using his own money to keep the club going? Yeah, well, he had a certain, pro- he had a, um, a certain profit level. You know, we weren't making profit anyway, so uh, I wouldn't think that would apply, certainly. And, uh, you know, under the circumstances, uh, John and David making fantastic contributions, as you said, out of their own pocket. And that's the main elements of, of those hard yards with David Bernstein as chairman and Jim Cassell's academy um, development. You know, Jim Cassell brought in over £60 million worth of uh, funds through players, development through the academy. You know, we had Joe Royal first and Kevin Keegan, who did exactly what it said on the tin got us out of the third, into the Prem, into the new stadium, and then look where we are now. Ironically, all this talk of, of, of you know FFP and City, which has been around for a long time, but has massively come to the surface in the last 48 hours or so, comes in the same sort of week period where there is talk of a European Super League, you know, of certain clubs breaking away, maybe even breaking away from UEFA and leaving their own domestic leagues. I wonder where you two, Sean, can come in on this as well, stand on that. It's ironically, ironic, I feel, that, that the clubs who... If, they, if we believe what we read, it have been named like Juventus and Real Madrid and Barcelona and United who were involved in this, are the same clubs, the same cartel that sort of basically wants to keep City out of, out of being one of the big clubs with the FFP. Yeah, the thing is you've got, you've got if you look at the Premier League, um, the, the, the Premier League needs 14 votes to change any constitution of the Premier League. Now, if you look at how many foreign owners we've got now, I think we've got about seven, seven American owners plus a variation. Now, you know these these uh, owners, you know, with due respect, they won't be looking purely and simply to benefit from the Premier League uh, um, television or corporate or sponsorship deals. They want to look globally, you know. And if you if you take the the NFL, look at their their model. There's no promotion, no relegation, um, you know. So they they want to have a, a they can cap up the wages. The owners can take more profit out. So it's a, it's a little bit of a, a difficult analysis at the minute. Um, but certainly the, the constitution of the Premier League is a danger because if we it needs 14 votes to to change that policy, then then we have got a dangerous if, if all the owners start looking at the global market. But if, if it's just done as a, a decision between those owners and they say, right, we just leave the Premier League then, we go our, go our own, you don't need to have a vote, do you? You just break away. I mean, is Absolutely. that something you, you'd approve of, a, a European Super League, whether City are in it or not? No, I wouldn't. Um, if you look at our domestic league, I think that's what makes football so so special. You know, um, so the NFL have got their own model because they've got uh, 263 million people watching in, in um, North America and Canada and bits and pieces and uh, our, our market is globally so you can see where the American owners are looking because they've, they've got experience of this this model in, in the NFL but certainly I wouldn't look to break it away if you look at the very unique situation in the UK because we've got so many leagues down the, down the League 2 and then even the amateur leagues you know the, the semi-pro and the amateur leagues I think we've got about nine, nine, nine levels down to our football and that's just unique to the UK. I mean, obviously, Sean, you, you know, 
if, if City or United or these big clubs were to actually leave the Premier League, there'd be a lot of reaction to this, wouldn't there? And City fans, given that they already boo the UEFA anthem yeah. and don't massively take even to the Champions League, you would think that the masses of City fans wouldn't be big fans of that, would they? No, not at all. I think it'd be a scary proposition if that were to happen because, uh, again, I think what happened is what we feel is our club, you know, and not just City fans or Man United fans or Chelsea fans. What you, what we feel is our club essentially wouldn't be our club because I think they'll be, I think it comes from the global audience and that global audience is, is China and India and, and this is where these numbers come where they can make, you know, so much more than, than the audience that they currently have and, and, and they're looking and thinking perhaps they can gain that. It, it, you know, what we feel is ours, it, it, it wouldn't be ours because they could essentially just just say, well, yep, you have a good audience as in, you know, the fans that come and sit, you know, sit in the grounds, uh, the 50,000, 60,000, but they're looking and thinking, we're talking millions of, of, of viewers and that's where it, it, it comes down to the, to, the, to the dollar, to the pound and what they're making. I, I, think, I, think, I think the other thing, I think the other thing you've got to be careful of as well is with the, the American owners, and their knowledge of the NFL, Sean, in the, in the end, um, is the way they work their franchises. You know, you Stan Conker, who, who had an NFL team called St. Louis Rams, uh, and the, the people of Louisiana um, paid more taxes to build a new stadium for the St. Louis Rams NFL team. And now what Stan Conker's done is now upped the, up the team out of St. Louis and took it to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And the, the people, of, so people of Louisiana are still paying taxes on the new stadium, which nobody's in. So you've got to be very careful about this. how far do you go and where, what, what is the thin end of the wedge? What's the thin end of the wedge leading to? Um, so it really is, it has to be a concern, but whether well, it'll take five or ten years, you know, again, once the thin, thin end of the wedge is in there, um, and, and with Richard Scudamore leaving the Premier League as chairman, you know, he's, held, he's held the Ford very well and kept all the chairmen on side and they've got a, a joint policy. Um, whether that will change if the new, the new chairman comes in, what, what, what will his view be on it and how will he work with the owners of the Premier League team? So it really is a little bit of a, a uncertainty at the moment. Now, a slightly different question uh, onto a footballing topic now is that uh, Robbie Savage does a programme on BT Sport on a Saturday morning. He's invited me to come on and argue the case for City players to be in an all-time Manchester Premier League team. So my thinking is at the moment that Vincent Company. David Silva, Sergio Aguero, and maybe Yaya Toure at least make that team. Now, come on, what do you, you support me now? Tell me what you think. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, but no, no, no chance. And you know, you can even talk about Zabaleta when he was at his when he was picking that team that we had when we were won the first Premier League. It was Zabaleta, Vincent Company, Kolarov. We had Yaya Toure, David Silva, Sergio Aguero. You know, you've, you've put five or six straight away in. And now you've got Kevin De Bruyne, you know. But I think you've got to you've got to judge it over players that have played at least six years in the Premier League because it's been since 1992. Um, so at least you've got to play six to eight years. So therefore, you can't have uh, foreigners who are coming in or players coming in for a couple of years and 
and being very you need a bit of longevity and then mm. consistency of performance in that league you know that that, that Robbie Savage and whoever he's got on from the opposition will be arguing for a complete United 11 because he'll be throwing all the trophies that United have won at, at me but to me the, the, the way this team is playing at the moment where they've come from and there'll be loads of other people saying ah we've only done that through money I don't care about all that argument you've got great players in there surely the City players of now even though they haven't got the same number of trophies can be a, can be a match for any of those United players just can because of the way they're playing can I, yeah. can I just make a point there about, about the, the money that will throw you if you look at Alex Ferguson's spending during the period of his tenure he spent a lot of big money going back to when uh, he first bought a big two, uh, a big centre half who we thought was a donkey from Middlesbrough for two point two million pound, Gary Pallister, Pallister, who went on to be a fantastic player. And you can look at, at all the players that he spent on. Real Ferdinand only until the last few years, Real Ferdinand still held the record for the most expensive defender, twenty eight million. You know, so he has spent big down the middle. Andy Cole, seven million down the middle. Everything Michael Callagher was twenty million, and this is when everybody else is spending three and four. So he has spent over the years uh, on his tenure. So you can't just accuse Manchester City because of the money, because Alex has done that in his time, even though it wasn't as much. I'll use that argument, Dennis. Who would get in your team, Sean? Well, I, th- I think we could also reverse the question and put it on Robbie. Say, well, who would he, who, if he was defending City? Um, listen, I look at players like David Silva, World Cup winner. I think that that just becomes the the. Yes, without a doubt. Um, Yaya Toure, I think for three, four seasons, I think he really just took us to another level. Would he go in ahead of Roy Keane? Because they'll be arguing Roy Keane should be in that midfield. Well, what I I would... Can go alongside, can he go alongside? Yeah, well, that's that's, that's my thinking as well. Um, You know, I would say, well, okay, that perhaps... Our Fernandinho wouldn't be a player that gets in there because you've got Roy Keane that will be that person that breaks up and, and dismantles opposition and, and all of that. Um, Agro has to go in there. He, Absolutely. That's that's end of that conversation. Um, I'm, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying, because I know Robbie were thinking, well, United's won this. And he's able to choose players that's played for, the number of players that's played over a number of years. Um but we're looking at the last four. Is it Darren Fletcher was summarising last night on on um, on Sky at the Huddersfield game, and it, it, the caption came up: "We won nine major trophies with United." So when you start throwing trophies out, yeah. you can't compete. But look at the football City are playing now. Well, Has it ever been better? Well, exactly. I mean, it just hasn't been better. It, it just hasn't, quite frankly. And Sir Alex Ferguson. Play, you know, he was able to adapt his team to play against Arsenal, who were the who were the 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 city of today. The way they played football, and and United were able to, you know, dominate them, manhandle them, and outplay them at times in the way that Ferguson played a style of football. But today, teams try to be physical. We outplay them. We, there just doesn't seem to be answers uh, other than Liverpool having some sort of answer against City. Dennis, uh, Derby on Sunday, what do you reckon? I think we'll win. You're confident? Yeah, yeah I don't think there's any question. I think the, the, the team, apart from Kevin De Bruyne, I think the team will put out, everyone will be up for it. You know, and, uh, and you, you know what uh, Jose Mourinho will do. He'll, he'll go big and strong. He'll park the bus half the, half the time, you know. Um, but we've just got to keep playing and, and have a bit of um, belief 
and a bit of patience, and that's that includes the support our supporters as well, because you know they they be strong. Uh, Fellaini might come on the last 15, 20 minutes, and it'll be a long ball. Uh, but Jose didn't call the long ball; he calls it a long pass. You know, but. Uh, um, <laughs> So it's it's one of those situations where we have to be patient. First goal would be would be uh, important. We got the first goal, and I think, uh, but I'm quite confident. Uh, you look at the the, uh, the team that we're going to put out. You know, I think everyone's fit apart from Kevin De Bruyne. So Pep's got a great uh, a great squad to choose from, and be interesting to see what his, what his system is. Um, because you, you know the way United play four three three with a little bit of flexibility in that midfield area. But we have this this um, ability to be in, in, interchangeable position-wise, and the movement that we have up front, uh, shown as a front man, you, know, you see the movement around. You know, it's just fantastic that the, the passing and move and passing and move, and I think we can break them down and get the first goal and let's uh, let's take it from there. Absolutely, Dennis. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. I look forward to chatting to you again soon. Thank you. No, pleasure. No, just tell, tell, tell Sean I'll see him in the gym next time. Right, he's heard that. <laughs> Go to football coach, we'll, uh, we'll be on your back. Cheers, lad, thank you. Cheers, Dennis. Dennis. Dennis Stewart, who still looks like he could play. I mean, he's, he's, he's racing weight, isn't he? Oh, he is. He, he takes care of himself. But uh, it, we, I, I always have this little joke with Dennis because he's always, uh, he scored 100 and, I, he scored 100, Sorry, I, I got 103. He scored 107, I think it was. And I always said, I, I'm sure you had your hand up for the vote. Let's sell good or so you don't pass my goals. <laughs> I always have that little joke with him now. <laughs> Two great players, though. Dennis Stewart and Sean Galt. I've got another one. Peter Barnes right after this. Excess Manchester. This is the Manchester Football Social. Forever Blue with Ian Cheeseman. Oh, notice Liverpool, the unbeatable Liverpool, a 2-0 down at Red Star Belgrade. What's going on? Anyway, it's uh, it's quarter to seven. This is Forever Blue, Excess Manchester, 106.1 FM. And our city chat, we already heard from Dennis Stewart, from Martin Samuel, from Sean Galter. I'm going to be joined now by Peter Barnes. And the first question I'm going to ask you, Peter, and of course Sean as well, is uh, a question that's been raised to me by somebody just in the last few moments on social media. So, Kaz, this one's for you. Obviously, uh, the, the referee has been named for the derby this weekend, and uh, it is a gentleman who is regarded as being a United fan by some City supporters. Uh, I remember him uh, being the referee against Chelsea a couple of years ago when some of his uh, decisions weren't ones I agreed with and his whole family is supposed to be Reds. That man is, of course, uh, Anthony Taylor. Now... I, I'm not going to cast any aspersions before the game on the referee, but it is something that I can't ignore because so many City fans on social media say, how can he possibly be named as a referee? Where do you stand on that, Pete? Well, exactly right. Um, the fans are right. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you know me, over my career, and I probably got booked twice in my career, and as you know, I never really got involved with referees because I thought I'd concentrate more on the game. And um, I think that with this City team we've got now, the Playing such marvellous football and, and beautiful to watch, and uh, I think we can beat we can beat twelve men anyway on the day. So I mean, it's down to how we play on the day. So if we got the referee against us and the team as well, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, it's how you play football on the on the day. And uh, we're good enough for where we're playing the moment. Good enough to beat anybody in the world. Do you agree, Sean? I absolutely. I mean, it, it's brilliant. I love that because <laughs> I, I, you know when I. When I was when I was coaching, I was uh, say to team to to my team, take the game out of the referee's hands. So basically, play well, create your chances, put your chances away. And when I see Pep, you know, manage and coach City, that's exactly what I see. I see him so focused on the team and being 
being perfect in in passing and precision in being yeah. creative and it's it's not about the referee very seldom you you see Pep Guardiola have a have a go at a referee uh don't get me wrong there is the odd time that he all managers at a, at a point will say I'm not happy with that call that was a blatant foul or whatever it may be but Pep just gets on with his game so uh I, I'm I'm the same I think it's just about what we're doing in the day and it's not about the referee but uh the referees have a good standard today but you know so so I'll, I'll give you another perspective a united friend of mine said well actually the fact that that people think of him as potentially leaning towards United might actually work in City's favour because he might make the decisions the other way around because he'll be so sensitive to any criticism that might come his way. So it could actually work the other way, couldn't it, Pete? It could do on the day, Ian, like Sean says. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's about the team. I'm sure Pep and the, and the players won't be thinking too much about the referee. At the end of the day, it's, you know, it's 11 v 11 on the match and it's more important to, to get your team playing well. And um, I don't think that it'll cross... They'll probably realize will get to know that he's a United fan if, if that's the case. But uh, it won't, they won't worry that when they go on the park. It's about, about playing the normal game. And at the moment, it's, uh, they're playing that well. It's a good time to play United. In my my experience, you know, in my time of being managed, I I found sometimes managers would make noises about a referee. I I don't like this referee. He gave us a bad call with this game, and you really you you you're setting it up. You're setting it up for for a bad call to have something to complain about at, at the end of the game. And at the time of playing, I didn't really notice it. But but having finished playing, I, I feel that I I don't want to. Even though a referee may have had a bad call, give me a bad call. I don't want to take that into another game and think he gives me bad calls, and because I'm going in, yeah. in a negative space. So I'd like to think when I see Pep Guardiola operate, he he, he solely focuses on his team and, and and won't be thinking about the referee and yeah. the decisions he good or bad. And I think you're like you're saying if he is United fan, that's the case, and there's more pressure on him to to, to make sure he doesn't give everything United's way. You know, there's there's, there's 55,000 people watching on the day, and um, they'll, they'll make sure they'll, they'll let him know if he's given free kicks away when he shouldn't be. They'll, I'm sure the crowd will let him know who's side he's on. <laughs> and all City will want desperately want to win the derby on Sunday. It goes without saying. But is this a bigger game now for United because because of the way that the Blues are dominating? Do you think Mourinho? Because he saw what happened in the Derby last year at the Etihad, yeah. a city were two 0 yeah. up. They were they were playing coasting. the better football, coasting. Absolutely, yeah. could have been more than that actually. If Sterling had, had bagged sure. one when he when he had a sitter, and then suddenly this is where the motivation came from. Mourinho, uh, you know, obviously this long rivalry with Pep Guardiola, um, but also the fact that pride was at stake and City could have won the league that day and a whole different game in the second half are we going to see some of that from United on Sunday because it's a bigger game for them than it is for City yeah, I think you're right. I think there's more pressure on you. Know, you know, I think also City will realise that they, they got beat at home last last season when we were probably the better team on the day. And um, I think there's, the, the City lads hopefully won't forget that, that we, we do owe them one. And um, certainly we try and win your home games. Every team tries to win the home games in the derby. But, um, yeah, the pressure's more probably on United because you know, we're the team in form. Um, on the day, it's about two good sides. But I think City, with the players that Man City have got, we should keep... You know, I, I can't see United getting the ball off us. It's ours to lose, you know. Um, we're the best team in Europe at the moment by keeping the possession on the ball, Ian, and uh, it shouldn't be any different on Sunday. You don't expect a, a City to drop points, do you? Me? 
Yeah. No, I don't. No, I don't. Like, so, like, I'm looking for three points on Saturday. You know, Derby great. Yeah, Sean will tell you, Derby games are great levelers. Anything can happen on the day. You know, it's, it's a great atmosphere. But, you know, we just think 1-0 is enough. If you, if you win 1-0, you get three points. You try and play football, that's all you can ask for. Pete, you're, you're a local lad and, and City fan. I come from a from a City dynasty with your dad, etc. So playing in a derby would have probably put the hairs on the back of your neck on end when you went out. Sean from Bermuda, I don't mean it didn't matter to you, but, but you would have a different perspective. How do you feel that the modern footballers, the David Silvers, the Sergio Agueros, the Matiches, or the, you know, if you, if you want to look at the United players as well, how do they look at a derby? Is it just the two of the biggest teams in, in Europe, two of the biggest teams in England, or do they get the sense of what a Manchester derby is to the Manchester people? You'd like to think so. I mean, Davidson has been here nearly 10 years. Company, you know, Aguero, they've been here a long time. If they don't know what Manchester Derby is all about, then they never will. And um, I think maybe some of the younger players, you know, come from abroad, they're just getting used to it. But I think the, the good professionals, they know what the city's all about. You know, in our day, if we lost to United, you wouldn't go out of the house for two or three weeks because you get you get Torrey City. They want, you're too embarrassed to face the city fans. And it, it was pride. You know, and don't forget my day, in the six, seven Mancunians playing in the team, both at City and United, you know, of course they have more Scottish and Irish players than us, but we had more Mancunians playing our team, and if we if we got a bad result against United, we wouldn't like going through the door. What's it like from your perspective, well, Sean? I think I think as fans, we have to probably catch up with the remit of of the board, and the board is for City. The competitors are the the European giants, and so yeah. if you're able to compete and beat the European giants, the Derby game should take care of itself. And I think that's how the board look at it. So the the and they'll be passing that on. The players will feel that you know we're not playing Real Madrid, we're playing Man United, yes. and yes. so the players will know it to be important. But they'll they'll and they know it, it, it's a must win game because the fans that they'll see in passing and everything. But they'll certainly look at it from a totally different to my time. It was the only game that only mattered. Um, the the respect that, that you could earn or get it, it, it was just yeah. so huge. But I think we're we're now global, and and the club's competitor is Real Madrid, Barcelona, the European giants, and and yeah. if, if United was consistent at being in Europe, then they would be. Yeah, I think, I think that's the view. You did right, Sean. I think this game is more for the fans, Ian, as you know. It's about um, status in Manchester, you know, which is the best team at the moment. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's about winning, winning this match for the fans. It'll be great atmosphere. There's always great atmospheres at the Derby games and uh, it gives it a bit more added spice of players with the noise on the day. And um, it's who's the cock of the north and who's the cock of Manchester. And at the moment, it's City. I've got to say that uh, we're playing the best football in the, in, the, in the city, best football in the country. And, uh, you know... <laughs> Anybody on the day, we can beat anybody on the, on the day at the moment where we're playing. Absolutely. And uh, and Pete, I know you've got one or two events with the Vets, etc. coming up. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, I hope Sean can make it. We we, we we met a few weeks ago. We did a Q&A together, me, Sean and Colin Henry, but it's, it's our annual Christmas due on the 13th of December. Hopefully, God willing, we've got uh, Dennis Law, who played for both, like myself and uh, the, the King Dennis. You know, he's, he's going to come and do a Q&A for 20 minutes, half an hour, and uh, it's at the um, Premier Lounge in Audenshaw uh, on the 13th of December. Uh, so hopefully people will come and, and support it. 
Fantastic. Uh, it was a great pleasure. I was obviously with you, Sean, and, and yes. Colin, and that other yeah. one, and that was at the Premier Lounge as well. So the very best of luck. I know you, you do a lot of great work with the, the vets, etc. And whether you like it or not, Sean, you're a vet now, aren't you? <laughs> wow, I'm experienced. <laughs> That's another way of putting it. <laughs> yes. Pete, as always, thanks very much for joining us tonight. Really appreciate it. Pleasure, Pete. Pleasure. See you, Sean. See you, okay. So there we are. We're, we're almost. I mean, obviously, not even mentioned Shakhtar Donetsk in the Champions League tomorrow night. Um, it's it's four days. There's enough of a gap for it not to be a big thing. But City will expect to win that one, won't they? Yeah, City should should go through the. I wouldn't say go through the emotions because we're at a level where you don't disrespect anyone uh, because you can get surprised, like the Lyon game. So. You know, we'll we'll go handle it professionally. Um, he'll look at his rotation so that players are fresh. Because again, the games that are coming up are all important. So, but I expect City to to go to to get a result in that game and, and move on. City fan has invited me into the posh seats tomorrow in the Tunnel Club, so I'll be uh, be be videoing in there and letting people know what it's like. So go let's on. see what it's like from the other side. Thanks very much for joining us. Don't forget the podcast is available very very soon. And tomorrow night I'll be back with the Wednesday Club with Joe and with Alex. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.